Hi, and welcome to the, I believe this is the 14th episode of Season 5, Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. This episode is about the paranormal hotspots around our world, from Antarctica to Canada to California to Russia and back. There is so much to be discovered and so much that we really don't know a whole lot about that I will be discussing in this episode. Uh, There's only so much of the wilderness within our own country that we know enough about. Uh, And of course, there are dense jungles around the world that there are some parts we have never set foot on. Uh, We've taken helicopters and drones and whatnot and have flown them over to get a good idea of what the landscape looks like. But if you're not down in it, you really don't know what's in it. Same with the United States. we got the Pacific Northwest. In North America, we've got the wilderness of Canada uh, on up to um, the 50th state, uh, one of our 50 states, Alaska, uh, dense wilderness, um, millions of acres of uncharted wilderness that has only been surveyed from above, but not within. And of course, I've mentioned before, we've only properly mapped about 5% of the world's oceans. So there's a lot we don't know, but we think we know everything because we are man, mankind. Please hold for an important message from my first sponsor for this episode. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Something that most would never consider, as isolated as Antarctica is, there's actually ghost stories in Antarctica. Yeah, you bet. Antarctica has a compelling history filled with tales of bravery, tragedy, and remarkable feats. When you think of that, then pair it with its vast white emptiness and white windswept ice. It's not hard to transport your imagination to a world filled with spooky subjects. Antarctica certainly has its fair share of ghost stories. For example, Ross Island, home to scientific base McMurdo Station. Ross Island is also the site of a devastating plane crash that killed 257 people in 1979. Visitors claim to, well, researchers anyway, have heard ghostly footsteps and voices in the darkness. And there have been plenty of ghostly encounters experienced there over the years. There have even been sightings of flight victims wandering the frigid landscape, and eerie moaning voices and footsteps have been heard around the station. Scott's Hut. Located at Cape Evans, Scott's Hut is said to be heavily haunted by the souls of perished explorers. In 1911, 25 men overwintered in the hut and it was here that sir robert scott and his men departed on their ill-fated journey to the south pole some visitors have said that stepping foot in the hut brings a feeling of dread others have seen shadowy figures and heard misplaced noises a cross that was erected nearby in memory of members of ross's sea party who died not far from the hut seems to draw wandering spirits, offering an additional spookiness to this place. The Ghost of Shackleton Shackleton's hut, also on Ross Island, 
is said to be rife with paranormal activity. Famed explorer Sir Edmund Hillary claims to have seen Shackleton's ghost there. Said Hillary, I remember when I first went to Shackleton's hut, and I'm not a person who really sees things very much, but I went inside the door. When I open the door, it's a rather sort of bare hut inside, and I distinctly saw Shackleton walking towards me and welcoming me, and then it all sort of flashed away and he was gone. Considered a historic monument, the hut is incredibly well-preserved, and should you visit it, it's easy to imagine a ghost living there. Wordy House. From objects flying off shelves to doors slamming shut on their own, Wordy House has been known to emit a dark and creepy aura to those who set foot within the house. Though it's unclear what ghosts might haunt this historical site, there is no explanation for the unusual events that have happened inside. Jenny, the ghost ship. After leaving port in 1823, Jenny was on an ill-fated voyage after the ship became trapped in ice and frozen solid. When the ship was discovered, it was thought that the crew was still alive, but it was soon realized that the occupants were perfectly preserved in a frozen state after dying from hunger. Deception Island. The tale of ghosts lingering at the abandoned huts and deserted whaling stations serve as a reminder of those who lived and died in the coldest, windiest, and driest place on earth. Though the land can be unforgiving, ghosts exists on a plane of existence that goes beyond our understanding. Visitors have claimed to see light orbs and apparitions and even hear voices. Blood Falls. Yes, there is a waterfall that I mentioned earlier where it looks like it's running red with blood in Antarctica. No, it's not actual blood. As creepy as blood waterfall sounds, there is a scientific explanation for it. Oh, thank goodness, I should say. Salt water mixes with iron from the bedrock below the glacier. Gives it a similar color to blood when exposed to oxygen. And there you have it. A waterfall that looks like it is running red with blood. Is Antarctica the most haunted place in the world? Eh, no one knows for sure, but it's stunning beauty and bountiful life and the amazing animals that inhabit the continent more than make up for any heebie-jeebies you might experience. After all, this is where the great explorers and brave souls ventured to come so that you could go there safely today. Unparalleled Insider Access. Get it all. Introducing the Sirius XM Platinum VIP Plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual Sirius XM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer details apply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. The Russian Navy declassifies Cold War encounters. 
They cracked this wide open. The CIA has really been working hard to get this information out. And what better time to get all this information out than when we're at the tail end of a pandemic, possibly still the middle of the pandemic, whether it be the eye of the storm. There's mass confusion all over the world. There's a race war going on in the United States. There's vegetarians versus meat eaters. There's the Republicans wanting to choke the middle class and the poor to death. There's Republicans launching vicious attacks, physical attacks, and threatening the lives of Democrats in office. Uh, An assault on our capital uh, from insurgents that has not happened since the War of 1812. Just a few hundred people did a better job than the Confederacy did in regards to reaching the steps of the Capitol and wreaking havoc on our elected officials and threatening the lives of Democratic lawmakers. The world's a confusing time right now. You've got people calling themselves pro-life that are really nothing more than pro-birth because they'll fight to the very end for the unborn, but once the kid's here, screw you. We're going to cut all funding. We're going to cut all free food, free education. We're going to cut it all. And you know what? We're going to force that woman to not allow her to have body autonomy and say, nope, you got to carry the kid no matter whether you were raped, no matter whether the contraceptive didn't work. Oh, you know what? We're going to ban contraceptives now. So good luck. Pro-life. No, not really. It's a dark, confusing time we're in right now. And I bring these stories to you to try and create my own or create a community of people who are into this sort of bizarre and weird phenomenon and just forget the world around us and try to escape. That's why I do the podcast I do. Try to make life fun with what time we do have. Now, as I was saying, this is a great catch by Phil Ewing at Navy Times. Scoop Deck blog. The Russian Navy confirmed declassified its records on Cold War UFO sightings. Turns out 50% of UFO encounters are connected with oceans. 15% more than with lakes. So UFOs tend to stick to water for some reason which really blows a hole in the whole Eminite Shyamalan movie with signs because a planet like ours that is 70 plus percent water the aliens that came to it were like deathly allergic to water and it would turn them into steaming ash much like what happened to the Wicked Witch and the Wizard of Oz threw a bucket of water on her she melted same with those aliens from that movie so we are a planet that is predominantly water And these UFO sightings seem to be hovering around and taking place near the ocean, near massive lakes. And one Russian officer explained on several of these instances that the instruments gave reading of material objects moving at incredible speeds. A sub-commander recalled calculations showed speeds of about 230 knots or 400 KPH speeding so fast is a challenge even on the surface, but water resistance is much higher. It was like the objects defy the laws of physics. There's only one explanation. The creatures who built them far surpass us in development on so many levels.
insert jab about superior UFO submarine technology here. All joking aside, in one alleged incident in 1982, three Navy diver trainees reportedly died pursuing what survivors described as a group of humanoid creatures. And that, what I mentioned earlier, that this happened in Lake Bacal, the world's deepest lake. Alien outposts discovered in Antarctica? According to a self-proclaimed UFO researcher, he claims to have found what he believes to be an alien outpost, or many of those, in fact, in Antarctica, posting at a blog and YouTube channel under the moniker American Bunker. He has analyzed satellite photos of Antarctica via Google Earth and says the photos show UFOs and other creatures. He strings together highlights of his Antarctic objects in a 12-minute video. However, the objects visible in the stream of pixelated photos look much more like ice flows, rocky outcroppings, and shadows cast by bumps in the terrain. Then they do look like flying spacecraft or structures built by Martians. Instead of an alien invasion or a cover-up by the U.S. Geological Survey, many of the photos were made public by the USGS. There's probably a psychological phenomenon at play here. Uh, it's known as pareidolia. It's the scientific term for the common human tendency to find patterns in random shapes where, especially susceptible to perceiving faces or figures where they really don't exist. When you see an elephant in the clouds or a man's face on the moon or UFOs and satellite photos of Antarctica, a more probable explanation is that it's a trick of the mind. For example, consider, say, a blurry satellite image highlighted again and again by American Bunker. He claims he found the most UFOs and alien outposts, presumably including the ones he thinks are shown in images that he provides on Ross Island and Beaufort Island in Antarctica's McMurdo Sound. Both islands were formed by volcanoes, however, and rocky outcroppings and peaks like that one uh, below and those that are above are relatively common there. Although it's difficult to say whether this particular formation is what American Bunker has highlighted in photos that he's provided. An object like that is presumably or probably casting the mysterious shadows that he has interpreted as alien bases. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Of course, these incidences have a tendency to go abroad and not just local to us in the United States. For example, Pentagon, CIA, and release documents have confirmed that Russian submarines have been fighting a secret war with alien crafts deep under the oceans, according to top-secret Kremlin documents. In scenes straight out of a Hollywood movie, Soviet subs are playing a game of cat and mouse with strange underwater crafts. According to a new book called Russia's USO Secrets by Brit investigator Philip Mantle, based on Russian documents and accounts from military veterans that have recently been released to the public for consumption, describing, for example, a bizarre incident in the Bermuda Triangle in 2009, 
Former nuclear submarine commander Yuri Bektov said, We repeatedly observed that the instruments detected the movements of material objects at unimaginable speed, around 230 knots, which is 400 kilometers per hour. It's hard to reach that speed on the surface. Only in the air is it possible. The beings that created those material objects significantly exceed us in development. The book also contains accounts from Russian veterans about their close encounters, including hostile acts at sea during the Cold War. They have described how UFOs would apparently appear in the sky before diving down beneath the waves. And one terrifying incident that I'll share with you, a captain ordered depth charges to be dropped into the path of a USO, which changed direction and its speed, and then sped off in a completely different direction. Lieutenant Commander Oleg Sokolov told students that while on duty, he spotted a strange object through a periscope rising up out of the water. The book also reveals how another crew watched a cigar-shaped UFO shoot three beams of light down into the Atlantic Ocean. The UFO was about 200 to 250 meters long and slowly descended into the ocean, making a strange hissing sound about a half a mile from the submarine. But the object was not tracked on radar. Marine scientists in the port city of Sevetspol, Ukraine, claimed they spotted a huge wheel rotating below the Black Sea while they were deep sea diving. In 1951, an incident documented in records shows a Soviet submarine encountering a giant underwater object heading towards the shores. The captain ordered depth-charging bombs to be dropped into the path of the USO, but the object did not react to the attack and stayed on its course before darting towards the surface. At a depth of 50 meters, it stopped its ascent, changed course, and completely departed. Russian sailors again observed a UFO in the Mediterranean in July 1978, according to this book. The captain of the Soviet motor ship, Yargora, immediately sent a radiogram to the Soviet Academy of Sciences in Moscow, telling them the object was shaped like a flattened-out sphere and was a white pearl-type color, these files reveal. Other UFOs have reportedly appeared over the Soviet submarines, bases, and so forth, forcing the Soviet general staff to take them seriously. This book was recently published, the results of a study by the Anomalous Phenomena Commission of the Russian Geographical Society in St. Petersburg, which concluded that UFOs are in fact real. Author Philip of Pontefract, West York's told the interviewer, the USO phenomena looks set to be the future of UFO research in general. Leaping lizards, tales of lizard people, and strange conspiracy theories revolving around subterranean creatures that are lizard human hybrid alien shapeshifters. The stories change through every decade, through every person who's telling it, through every sci fi author who's drafting a story around it. A shred of truth could come from Fort Moore Hill. Like most conspiracy theories, this story has a footing and a definable fact, or at least in other local legends based on reasonable shreds of truth. 
and also has a basis in the myth of Los Angeles itself as the land of get-rich-quick schemes, fantasies of L.A.'s time as a remote Spanish and Mexican outpost flourished in the late 19th and early 20th centuries as city boosters played up a romanticized version of the city. These boosters took great liberties in describing the city and in telling its history and their attempts to sell Los Angeles to the rest of the country. In this heady atmosphere, it is not surprising that stories of hidden Spanish gold and lost riches buried in the hills grew popular. Fort Mora Hill, easily accessible and heavily populated, became ground zero for these legends, persistent rumors, and of a treasure buried in the Protestant cemetery beneath the headstone of Old Man Wilson and his wife. It led to their grave being desecrated repeatedly in 1891. A man named J.S. Burner watched three Spanish men digging in the cemetery until midnight, looking for treasure supposedly hidden by American soldiers. Schofeld's lizard people were not the humanoid reptilian aliens popularized by conspiracy theorists like David Icke. Rather, they were a race of exceptional human beings who worshipped the lizard as a symbol of long life and laid out their underground labyrinth in the shape of their favorite reptile. This is what gives us the legend of the California lizard men. In 1902, an elderly woman allegedly drew a map leading to treasure she claimed had been buried in Fort Moore Hill decades earlier. After her death, a friend entrusted with the map hired a man with a dining rod to find the treasure a group of volunteers dug all night by candlelight at a spot near the Protestant cemetery fence, finally stopping when they hit an abandoned drain. By the time Schulfeldt came along, Depression-era Los Angeles had been primed for half a century to believe that there was more to be discovered under Fort Moore Hill. Originally from Ohio, Schulfeldt had managed mining sites for the Kingman Merger Mines companies in Arizona. He was also the inventor of a radio gold finding machine, which the Los Angeles Times derivesly called a doodle bug in 1934. It also appears to have been much like a dowsing rod, a dubious instrument loved by conspiracy theorists everywhere. One reporter described the machine as a cylindrical glass case inside which a plummet attached to a copper wire held by the engineer sways continually pointing towards minerals or tunnels below the surface of the ground. It was also believed to be some sort of an ancient communicator between subterranean reptilian shape-shifting aliens. In 1933, Schulfeldt made Fort Moore Hill newsworthy once more. He claimed to possess an ancient sheepskin map which showed the way to treasure located under the old rundown hill now slowly being dismantled in the name of progress he conceived the county board and convinced them of the supervisors to let him dig for the treasure and the two parties agreed they would split anything that they had uncovered the riches being 50 50 by march 3rd 1933 
a 22-foot shaft had been sunk into the backyard of the once Grand Mills Mansion, which had recently been condemned by the city and stood almost directly over the Broadway Tunnel. With all the romantic markings of treasure maps, crosses, mysterious symbols, and figures, the Los Angeles Times reported on the 5th of March, 1933, the ancient scroll was consulted from time to time as the workmen bored into the sidewall of the shaft. On March 9th, Schaffelt's machine was finally lowered into the shaft. Despite all the excitement, nothing was ever found. A few months later, Schaffelt reemerged. This time, he presented a more elaborate backstory along with a hand-drawn map that still exists to this day. His claims were covered in detail by the Los Angeles Times on January 29, 1934. It is important to note that without the article, the legend of the lizard people of Los Angeles would almost certainly not exist. In the lengthy feature, Schulfeldt claimed his X-ray radio had led him to hither and yawn from the Central Library downtown to the Southwest Museum at the base of Mount Washington. I knew I was over a pattern of tunnels, he told the Times in 1934. And I had mapped out the course of the tunnels, the position of large rooms scattered along the tunnel route, as well as the positions of deposits of gold. But I couldn't understand the meaning of all of it. My radio x-ray pictures of tunnels and rooms, which are subsurface voids and gold pictures with perfect corners, sides and ends are scientific proof of their existence. However, the legendary story must remain speculative until unearthed by an actual excavation sometime down the future. The legend continues. Over the decades, as the legend of the lizard people was popularized by conspiracy theory sites and conflated with Ike's alien reptoids, Fort Moorhill shrunk as it was hacked away bodies from the Protestant cemetery which the city claimed to be to have been moved were discovered but no golden tablets were ever found but the legend of the lizard people lives on if you were an LA native tour guide historian or even an uber driver you've no doubt been asked about it time and time again people from Los Angeles can't get enough of Schulfeldt's old and odd fiction and its promises of gold riches and infinite knowledge from a supreme alien race of reptoid shapeshifters. What can you say about L.A., Hempstead says. We love cults and conspiracy theories and astrology and any kind of weirdo fringe belief. Once you get the reputation for being a city of weirdos, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Creepy creatures that call Canada home. 
Canada is a vast country, and there are parts of it that still remain mysterious to this day. It's not surprising that, in such a huge place, legends and stories have sprung up about some pretty amazing and creepy creatures. From giant sea serpents to the famous Sasquatch, these are some of the incredible beasts that are said to call Canada home. Ogopogo in British Columbia. Canada's answer to the Loch Ness Monster and America's champ in Lake Champlain. Ogopogo sightings date back as far as the 19th century. The Ogopogo calls Lake Akinagawan in British Columbia home. It's said to be a massive sea serpent with a horse-like head. Some skeptics think sightings of Ogopogo may just be logs or ordinary water animals, while others are convinced they've seen the real thing. Canada is actually said to be home to a number of sea monsters, with Ogopogo being the most famous. Others include Champ in Lake Champlain, which starts in New York and Vermont, and Gassienda Thea, a dragon said to live in the Great Lakes. It especially likes Lake Ontario, apparently. Sasquatch in British Columbia. The Sasquatch is one of a number of similar creatures that have been sighted all over the world. In the U.S., they're better known by the name Bigfoot. In Nepal, people have reported seeing the Yeti or the Abominable Snowman. These creatures all share a number of features. They're usually said to be a larger than the average person's size, and they're covered in thick hair. In fact, Sasquatch is a First Nation Salish word meaning hairy man. Some people believe that these creatures are the fabled missing link, an evolution between apes and humans. They're said to usually live in defense dense forests in those areas, especially in the Pacific Northwest. They're also supposed to be very shy around humans, which has led many to doubt their existence. Akloot, the Northwest Territories. This creature looks like something straight out of Pokemon or Avatar. The Akult is a shape-shifting spirit from Ilt mythology. It's a spirit that can appear as an orca whale while on the water and a giant wolf whale while on land. It's said to be huge and comes onto the land from the ocean to hunt. The best way to tell if there was an Anult on the loose was to look for its tracks. If there were wolf prints leading to or from the ocean, then look out. The Anult's not picky about what it eats, animals or people. Whatever's unlucky enough to be around when it's hunting. Loup Garou in Quebec. Loup Garou translates pretty much directly to as werewolf, but this French Canadian monster is a little more complicated than your average lycanthrope, someone who can transform into a wolf. There are different legends about this monster. One legend has it that you can become one if you break the tradition of Lent for seven years in a row. Another legend suggests that Loup Garou is under a spell that lasts for 101 days, and it breaks when it is passed on to another person. Unlike traditional werewolves, the Loup Garou can change into a wolf whenever it wants. Some legends say that a Loup Garou might not even turn into a wolf. They say that those affected by the curse can turn into cats, pigs, or even owls. Now we're back from the commercial break with the cool lead-in music from Chevelle. I'm glad that you decided to continue on this journey
of haunted, creepy, dark, scary, spooky, and weird locations in the Buckeye State, including Helltown and my hometown of Chillicothe, Ohio. Here in Ohio, we have our fair share of all things eerie, ghostly, and just straight-up creepy. The following are what I think to be the most haunted places in Ohio, among some of the many haunted, but I'm only going to share a few. Don't be afraid to visit, though, because experiencing a haunting is just about one of the most exciting things you can do while here in the Buckeye State, if not just really the only thing you can do. And some of the ghosts may be friendly, too. Starting off with the Ohio State Reformatory, that's in Mansfield. Formerly known as the Mansfield Reformatory, this historic prison is the site where the state's most violent ghosts can be found. Spirits of rioting inmates who often fought each other to the death in overcrowded isolation cells. They haunt the halls and cells of this former prison. You can understand why it's considered one of the most haunted places in Ohio if you take the time to go to one of their regular tours they have, a standard ghost walk. Uh, I myself have had a few experiences with the Mansfield Reformatory, uh, one of which was when I was in high school, and it was before they had the electric chair roped off, and I decided, hey, this would be a great opportunity for a photo op. So I sat in the electric chair. Uh, I assume it wasn't on, but I got in a lot of trouble for sitting in the electric chair, and I was banned from going to the Mansfield Reformatory for a while. Uh, things have changed now. They, they've welcomed me back during ghost walks and during uh, paranormal conventions, thankfully. I, I guess now that I'm worth something to them as far as publicity and maybe writing about it, they're like, yeah, come on back. It'd be great to have you, Mr. Parks. The Ridges. This is in Athens, Ohio. It was once known as the Athens Lunatic Asylum and is now owned by Ohio University, which is my alma mater. I've been to the Ridges a few times. It's pretty active. Uh, the atmosphere is heavy. It's thick. Parts of the facility still hold shadows, stains, and spirits of former mental patients who often suffered from violent treatments such as lobotomies. And earlier I mentioned Helltown. The people of the former town of Boston Mills were mysteriously ordered by the U.S. government to leave the town in the early 1970s. Whether a satanic activity, government conspiracy, or mutated citizens led to the town's sudden evacuation, the abandoned homes, buildings, and streets are said to be haunted today by the spirits of those who did not want to leave. It's one of the most haunted places to visit in Ohio, but you probably wouldn't want to. Beaver Creek State Park Parts of Ohio's Erie Canal, built in the early 1800s, can be found throughout this park and two canal locks. In particular, they are said to be haunted by ghosts of canal workers who died while on the job. It's one of the scariest places in Ohio. The Mudhouse Mansion. This used to stand near Lancaster, Ohio. It's isolated. It was in Fairfield County, and it stood abandoned. It was a mansion where it's rumored that ghosts of families who once lived there haunt the grounds and the house. One story claims that Civil War slaves were murdered and his master and his master's family wander the grounds at night. A bounty hunter was killed there as well, who was hunting slaves. Uh, he was killed by people running the Underground Railroad. 
Um, he's known to haunt the location as well. If you were to park across the road and try to explore the mud mansion, the woman who lives up the hill is for some reason very protective of the whole area. I think she owns the mud mansion. She would send people down to slash tires of explorers, early ghost hunters, who were curious about the location. But since these stories have been shared and an episode of, I believe, Ghost Adventures was filmed there, it has since burned to the ground and been demolished. While Hollow Road, within a unique geographical niche in North Columbus, while Hollow Road, where it is said that passerbys are haunted by a man who killed his wife before committing suicide beneath the road's bridge. Franklin Castle. This is in Cleveland. It's home to what is considered to be Ohio's most haunted house, where secret passageways, hidden rooms, and ghosts of families who have lived in the historic mansion abound. It's one of the most haunted places in northern Ohio. The Moonville Tunnel. There's so much information about this and so many stories about it. The abandoned town of Moonville in southeastern Ohio holds a haunted tunnel where legend has it the ghost of a man who was killed instantly by a train passing through the tunnel wanders along the track bed near the old tunnel at night. The Majestic Theater in Chillicothe, Ohio, where I was born and raised. America's oldest continuously operating theater, built in 1853 and bound to have a haunting or two or three or four or 50. It can be found in Chillicothe. What was once the Masonic Opera House is now a normal, fully functioning theater, with the exception of a ghostly little girl, mysterious fogs, and a voice asking for someone named Andrew. It's easy to see how this is one of the most haunted places to visit in Ohio. <clears throat> Not to mention the fact that hundreds of bodies were stockpiled on the stage and in the basement where the dressing rooms are during the flu outbreak of 1918, the Spanish flu, where they were embalmed and somebody, some of them were not dead and had actual dead soldiers or citizens stacked on top of them until they eventually suffocated and died. The Lima Tuberculosis Hospital. Hidden behind a small neighborhood in Lima's far west side sits the abandoned TB ward where the ghosts of patients wander the halls and hospital grounds. The next one is Squire's Castle. While certainly charming in the daylight, this small castle within Cleveland Metro Parks is haunted nightly by a shadowy figure with a red lantern. Now I'm asking you, do you know of any of the most haunted places in Ohio that I may not have gone over? Please let me know by sending me an email to parksparanormal at gmail.com or by dropping me a message on one of my many social media platforms through Facebook, TikTok, or Twitter, and even my YouTube channel. Thank you, and please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Hello, amigo. Bananas have to ripen in a certain way And when they're flecked with brown and have a golden hue Bananas taste the best and are the best for you You can put them in a salad You 
you can put them in a pile Any way you want to eat them It's impossible to beat them But bananas like the climate of the very, very tropical equator So you should never put bananas in the refrigerator My apologies, I was just informed that the intro lead-in song sounded like utter and total bloody shite, so my apologies on that. We will make sure on my end that that does not happen again. Leading into our first story within this ever-growing segment, on October 23, 2010... F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming, temporarily lost the ability to communicate with 50 of its Minuteman III missiles. The five-missile alert facility is responsible for launching those ICBMs, Alpha through Echo, compromising the 319th Strategic Missile Squadron, would have been unable to do so during the period of the disruption. The dramatic story was leaked to Mark Ambender, a contributing editor at The Atlantic, which published that story three days later. The U.S. Air Force then quickly acknowledged the problem, saying that a backup launch system could have performed the task and claiming that the breakdown had lasted a mere 59 minutes. Truth be told, it lasted 26 hours. However, the latter statement was untrue, according to two missile technicians, stated at F.E. Warren, who say that the communications issue, while intermittent, actually persisted over 26 hours. Significantly, these same individuals report sightings by numerous teams of an enormous cigar-shaped craft that maneuvered high above the missile field on the day of this disruption. The huge UFO appeared similar to a World War I German Zeppelin, but had no passengers gondola, or advertising on its hull. It would, uh, as it would with a commercial blimp. The confidential Air Force sources also report that their squadron commander was warned witnesses not to talk to journalists or researchers about the things they may or may not have seen in the sky and that he threatened several severe penalties for anyone violating security. Consequently, these persons must remain anonymous at this time. The disquieting information was provided to noted researcher and author Robert Hastings, who over the past several months has interviewed law enforcement and civilian eyewitnesses to ongoing UFO activity near F.E. Warren's ICBM sites. Between September 2010 and April 2011, Hastings has just published a detailed expose on those developments titled Huge UFO Sighted Near Nuclear Missiles During October 2010 Launch System Disruption, which may be read at www.theufochronicles.com backslash 2011 backslash 06 backslash huge dash UFO dash sighted dash near dash nuclear dash missile missiles underscore 
19.html. If you want the full address uninterrupted, you can email me with any of your queries, and I will be happy to provide all the following information. The article can also be located at the UFO Chronicles homepage by placing its title in the Google site search box. The October 23rd missile incident occurred less than a month after Hastings, September 27th, 2010 UFO Nukes Connection press conference at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., during which seven U.S. Air Force veterans discussed UFO incursions at nuclear weapons sites during the Cold War era. CNN streamed that event live. A full-length video was available on YouTube. According to the veterans, including two retired colonels, the still-classified incidents involved sudden appearance of a mysterious aerial craft that briefly hovered over ICBM sites and sometimes disrupted the missile's guidance and control systems. During one December 1980 case, a disc-shaped UFO sent down laser-like beams into a nuke's storage depot. The witness said that they felt compelled to speak out about the reality of UFO activity at nuclear weapons sites and urged the U.S. government to finally reveal the facts to the American people. Regarding the recent situation at F.E. Warren Air Force Base, Hastings emphasizes that his sources have not said that the UFO sightings during that October 23, 2000 and 10 missile communications disruption actually caused it. And it must be noted that the Air Force's Global Strike Command has officially attributed the problem to an improperly replaced circuit card in a weapons system processor. He adds, nevertheless, the intermittent presence of a huge cigar-shaped aerial craft during the hours-long, not minutes-long, crisis was definitely noted and remarked upon a various technical team mock-up working on the base's missile field. Hastings concludes that the UFO sightings near Warren's missile sites in recent months by Air Force personnel and civilians present the latest chapter in the UFO nukes connection saga. Its well-documented history, as revealed by recently declassified U.S. government files and military eyewitness testimonies, extend back to December 1948. Countless official denials about the reality of the situation have been issued over the years, but sooner or later, this amazing story will break wide open. What we need now is a courageous government whistleblower to come forward with the facts and some daring journalists willing to treat the story seriously and write about it. Fantastic. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being 
being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. That's terrific. I asked you, the audience, to share your stories with me, and you did not fail me. I'm about to share with you seven different stories shared with me that, out of all of them submitted, are by far the creepiest. Seven scary as hell 3 a.m. ghost stories that will make you afraid of the devil's hour even more. The clock strikes three, demons come free. It is an age-old concept, and there are firm believers that the devil's hour exists and is not a myth or a superstition. I, for one, if by any chance I wake up at 3 a.m., I'm a little curious as to why it happens, or around that time for that matter. And who wouldn't? It is creepy. The night is dark and full of terrors, after all. But we occasionally love a good horror story, don't we? Also... We love to get scared when we hear someone else's citation of a true incident. Here are a few 3 a.m. ghost stories that will make you afraid of the devil's hour even more. This one was submitted to me. The title is Figure Behind. Hi, I am Sumit from India. I had a weird experience a few nights ago. I woke up at 3.30 a.m., I was on my bed lying down. I saw a shadow or a figure behind the curtain of my room. That curtain was near my washroom door. I looked at it and I heard a sound like a growl. It made that sound when I was actually trying to get up to see what it was. But I was paralyzed and I was trying to shout at it, but I could not even open my mouth. All I could do was just make a humming sound. All of a sudden, it was normal again. I got up in full anger and searched for it, but I thought the growl must have been my dog, but he was asleep. Since that time, I'm a little nervous about that time. The next one that I'll share with you is titled The Lamp. A few years ago, one night around 3 a.m., my wife and I were sleeping, and I felt myself slowly waking up from a really deep sleep. My eyes started lifting up, and as soon as they focused on the lamp on my dresser, it slid off and shattered on the floor. My wife and I quickly sat up and looked at each other, horrified at the startling noise. We agreed we would clean it up in the morning and went back to sleep. The next morning when we woke up, the lamp was at the foot of the bed, about five feet from where it fell completely intact and not broken at all. We are still trying to make sense of this. This one was also submitted to me. It's called Down the Stairs. The only one I have is when I was in fourth grade. When I was little, I would always sleep with my door open. I went through a phase where I would wake up between three and four every night, and every single night I would hear footsteps walking up my stairs, around my living room, through my dining room, across my kitchen, 
and down my hallway. They would always stop right before my doorway, then turn around and go back to the basement. But one night they didn't stop. What I saw was a shadow of a little girl, really couldn't tell if it was a girl or a boy, walk right in front of the doorway, look at me for a few seconds, and then walked away, back down the stairs. I slept with the door closed the next night. Staring is the next one. My story begins about a year ago when I was sleeping in one of the rooms in my parents' house. I suddenly awoke in the middle of the night at exactly 3 a.m. I stared at my alarm clock when it suddenly turned 3.01 a.m. For some reason, I was staring out the window towards my neighbor's backyard. All of a sudden, their outdoor light turned on for about a minute or so before automatically shutting off. This was no ordinary outdoor light. My neighbors had one of those sensory lights that automatically turned on when someone approached the door or got close to it, usually installed to keep robbers away. What was most interesting about this was that no one was seen going in or out of their house through that door. If there was, I would not have been able to see their shadow. But in this case, the lights turned on for no apparent reason. I did not think about the possibilities after I awoke and until after I started hearing noises about 3 a.m., which is the most spiritualistic time of the night. Just thought I would share that because it seemed to have a lot in common with uh, stories you were asking about. That's all. The next one is called Over the Phone. And this one, of course... Uh, deals more with uh, phone calls late in the night. What if they were affected by a time when our minds are in the sleep state combined with the thinnest veil between our world and the others? What a theory. A very interesting one at that. Every night at 3.37 for a period of a week around the same time that my grandmother had died a year before. I kept getting calls on my phone at exactly 3.57 a.m. every morning. And it sounded like the piano music she used to play when she was still alive. The next one is titled, It Lurks. Ever since I was a child, I have had nightmares where someone drags me out of my bed. I wouldn't be able to talk or breathe. I know this is probably sleep paralysis. The thing is, I grew up Catholic and have always had a fear of the devil. I always wake up at 3 a.m. and pray or turn on my TV until it is 4. I used to joke that I had a demon following me to my friends because I always felt like someone was watching me. My dog used to bark at my closet in my childhood home. Last year, while visiting a friend, I made another joke about my demon haunting me. And right after I made that joke and walked away from the closet I was standing in, a bag fell from the top right down onto where I was standing. The next day, my friend and I took a picture together, and beside me was a strange orb-like flash with a clearly visible and ominous face. It made both of us cry. When I moved to my new and current place, things seemed to subside, and I felt normal again. But now I am having sleep paralysis again, and waking up at three in the morning for fear of my life 
As soon as I wake, I stare at one corner of my room because I feel like a presence is there. Even my fiance woke up and said that she felt scared. He doesn't believe in the devil and said it is all in my head. Last night I had another nightmare where I was trying to call out for help because I felt like something was going to drag me out of bed. I woke up and my fiance turned and looked at me and growled. I choked him and screamed and he woke up very angry because he didn't know what the hell was going on. He used to make fun of me and pretend to be a demon and do this, so I thought he was messing around. But it was still very frightening. I know what his snores sound like and I know what I saw. I can't tell anyone because no one believes me and I fear for my life now more than ever. I am 12 weeks pregnant and so stressed out that I fear I will miscarry. I am going to see a priest and practice penance and talk to him about what I should do next. Do you think this is in my head? The next one is called watching over. I've been waking up at 3 a.m. and I couldn't be able to go back to sleep. I try forcing myself to sleep, but that doesn't work. Sometimes at 3 a.m. I would wake up and I couldn't move. Only my eyes would open. I wouldn't even be able to talk. And I would try talking in my head, wondering why I couldn't move or talk. Having me think someone is taking control of me, and I'm not sometimes. I always feel like someone is watching me. When I was nine, I had someone follow me. I first started seeing her at my grandma's house, but I was so scared I just ran into the room closet and closed it. I looked at my phone and it was 3.12 a.m. for me. Now, and it's been happening to me for two or three years already, I'm too scared to sleep and I like to stay up all the time with my friends on Facebook. I also FaceTime her when it's 3 a.m. because I don't want to be alone. Then I told her to stay up with me until 4.20 so I can sleep. We end FaceTime and try going to sleep because I am so tired, but it didn't work. I tried forcing myself to sleep and it still doesn't work. All I am doing is closing my eyes and listening to music and then I wake up feeling tired a little bit. Sometimes I would hear weird sounds like whispers or cracking noises and I would be so scared I wouldn't even look to see what it was. I remember I was in my bed and my door opened by itself. I just felt my heart drop, having me out of my blanket over me, but my face so I could see nothing happening because then the door closed and I kept my eyes open until everybody else was awake so I would feel safe. I didn't want to tell my mother about it because I didn't want her to think it was from watching too many scary films or think that I was crazy. Please, I need help. I'm 12 years old. I'm a girl. I'm tired of not having the time to be able to go to sleep. And I'm being feeling scared all the time for what happens. I want it to stop. I always have to keep a cross by me when I sleep or by me all the time. I'll tell you what, since you sent this to me, if you wouldn't mind emailing me at parksparanormal at gmail.com, I can give you some advice. Thanks for sharing all of these stories with me. Available to order now, my first audiobook, 
Neil Parks presents truly terrifying tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Lulu.com. You can also order T-shirts that I designed, that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the nine-inch-tall, three-D-printed Bigfoot silhouettes available. And last spring, my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book. And it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail dot com. That is parksparanormal at gmail dot com. Standing by. Thanks for hanging with me this long. I hope you enjoyed this episode of a collection. Of strange and unusual locations, paranormal hotspots within our planet Earth. Please join me again next week for more strange and unusual and another new episode. Five seasons now I've been doing this, and sort of a rebirth of what I was doing in 2011 with the first, I guess, intent. The first idea of what I had for this podcast, what it has grown into, is much larger than I expected. But of course, it started out as、uh, web radio. Now I'm、uh, on web and podcasts on mega channels like iHeart and iTunes and Amazon Podcasts, so on and so forth. I thank you so much for returning every week to listen to more of this. And be sure to spread the news and continue to let those that you know who enjoy podcasts know about this show. Share it with your friends, your family, your enemies. Enjoy the weekend; it's coming up quickly. Have a great rest of the day, and thank you so much for tuning in. More logging on, however you got to me. Godspeed.
Promise you. 